certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. Exactly seven months since the Claremont trial began, hundreds of witnesses and thousands of documents later, today, the trial of the century ended. Hi everyone, Natalie Bongiolo, Tim Clark and Alison Fan with you for day 95 of Claremont in Conversation and a very historic day in West Australian courts, right? Absolutely. And now we just wait for the verdict, which um, we're told could maybe not, not happening till the end of September. Yeah, I mean, so I can that's only. That's a long wait. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a long journey, and I, I imagine you also had a uh, a sigh of relief relief when they finished, Tim. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Now I have to admit, as I think did everyone, it, it, it wasn't audible in court, but it was it was definitely uh, you could definitely feel it. The uh, the weight of the whole trial, I mean, has been enormous on on so many people, obviously. And um, and you're right now. It was a, a, a little bit of history, um, but in in true Justice Stephen Hall style, he didn't uh, he didn't make a meal of it. Um, once the uh, once the Overseas closing submissions were over, there was a little bit of legal argument. Justice Hall obviously had a date in in mind where he would remand Mr. Edwards to, as he has to, to to to, to keep the wheels of justice turning. And then it was a simple uh, thank you all, and um, I, I reserved my decision, and, and off he went. Yeah. And uh, and that was it. And that was it. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, all the families were there today, as were all the media, um, and the uh, the hardcore of, uh, of of court watchers that had been at the trial for for, for this many months. Um, there was a, a, a little bit of um, you know sort of gentle congratulation for everyone on, on getting through it. Um, Miss Barbara Gallo then had a little bit of a debrief with all the families that were there, um, and then everyone uh, wandered off into the afternoon to uh, to await the verdict. Okay, well, let's start at the start. Um, you know, after six days challenging the state's case, Mr. Jovic today really honed in on those critical fibres. He did, and he um, finished quite strongly with saying that these fibres which he acknowledged uh, have formed the world's biggest database as far as textile fibres go, thousands and thousands and thousands. But he said it was impossible, he he urged the judge, it was impossible to say that those fibres matched any of the workwear uh, worn by uh, Bradley Edwards at the time because that workwear, if he did wear it, was never tested, never seized. Of course, um, it wasn't around 20 years later when they finally... Uh, arrested um, Bradley Edwards, but he said it was never, uh, could never be proven that it came from his workwear. And he did agree with um, the prosecution that the perpetrator uh, of the abduction and murder of Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon was the same person, but he said he could not find beyond reasonable doubt that that person was Bradley Robert Edwards. And I guess, Tim, it's similar a similar situation with the fibres from the Holden Commodore that, um, you know, Mr Jovic uh, isn't disputing that the fibres come from a, a VS Commodore, but what he is questioning is whether the prosecution has been able to prove that the fibres come from Mr Edwards' uh, car or his clothes. 
Yeah, that's that's right, Nat. And um, as we mentioned and as we discussed in that portion of the podcast when we were going through the fibres one by one, um, Dr. Ray Palmer, who was the expert, initially said that he was satisfied that it could have actually been that car, one BPX080, the car that was found 20 years later. And then he backed away from that under further questioning and said, well, look, to say it was from that actual car is probably going a step too far, but it was certainly very likely that it had, had come from a Holden Commodore VS series station wagon. And Mr. Jovic jumped on that or, or, or rode with that really today mm-hmm. and said that in that vein, the, the all that evidence, all that did that evidence was put the, the perpetrator in, in a class of person mm. that, that that could have carried out that that both these crimes, i.e., it was a likely to be a Telstra employee who did drive that car regularly, um, habitually. Um, but it, in Mr. Jovic's eyes and in his arguments, he said that doesn't go far enough to identify Mr. Edwards as that person. So he was trying to broaden it out, just as Miss Barbara Gallo had been trying to narrow it down for all these months to say there's no doubt that not only was it a driver of that car, not only was it a person who habitually wore that workwear, but it was Mr. Edwards. And obviously, she relied on all the other evidence, particularly the DNA evidence, to say um, we've not only proved it was this class of person, but we have proved it is this person, Bradley Robert Edwards. And again, he talked about the defence being disadvantaged by time uh, in relationship to the fibres. Yeah, he did, and uh, and that was in in the, uh, as Ali just mentioned, it, it put uh, Mr. Edwards at a disadvantage. The, 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 so, it had taken so long for him to be charged that he wasn't able to challenge that evidence as well as he might have been able to if he had been arrested at the time. Um, for instance, as Ali mentioned, his clothes that he wore um, for work weren't able to be tested because they were long gone. Um, We we talked about that in the same uh, vein with regards to alibis. He wasn't able to to really um, look at at a potential alibi because of the time distance between the crimes and the charge and now the trial. And Mr. Jovic had gone back to that theme a number of times over the six days in his closing. And that, that is a legal point. Uh, that, that is not just Mr. Jovic uh, doing his job. That is something that Mr. Justice Hall will have to take into account because it, because it is a sort of legal, established legal principle that people who are charged long time after the alleged crimes are put at a defensive disadvantage. And so it's just another thing that, uh, that, that Justice Hall will have to weigh up. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting, uh, he obviously was running through the critical fibre evidence, but he particularly singled out the the single blue polyester fibre that was found in Jane's hair. What was his point surrounding that? Well, again, it was... It, 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 he, he looked at it as a, as a single fibre. So we know there's 98 critical fibres, but that one... That, that one fibre that he said to come from the, the, the boot, Mr Edwards's car, which Ms Barbara Gallo said suggested that Jane had actually been in that boot and her hair had come into contact with that boot. What he said was because it was just a single fibre um, that on its own 
presents some doubts because there's the there's no other fibers to back it up if you like mm-hmm. so he stressed that the, the, the possibility of a so-called adventitious match either coming from somewhere else or um uh, it being a, a contamination event was more likely because it was just one fiber on its own of that type but obviously miss barbara Gallo then points to all the other fibers that match the interior of that car from the carpet um in the in the cabin which there were some of those found on Kira and also the um, the, the, the grey fibres which were said to come from the seat back which were found on, on both uh, young women um, she said you put all that together and what, and what are the chances So what was Justice Hall's take on that? Did he query that from Mr Jovic? Well yeah Justice Hall made a, made a few points over the, uh, the, the fibres portion of the closing today really sort of questioning uh, Mr. Jovic about possible contaminations and possible adventitious matches and the coincidences, basically. Um, his main point, Justice Hall, or, or, or the one that I t- took away uh, as his main point from today, Justice Hall um, questioned Mr. Jovic about the fact that when this fibre investigation was going on and on and on, it was in 2008, 2009, that in an initial report, um, the uh, the Chem Centre lab had come to a conclusion that these fibres came from this model of car, this Holden Commodore VS series station wagon. And that we know, of course, was nearly eight years before Mr Edwards was, was pinpointed, arrested, interviewed and eventually charged. And Justice Hall's point there was, well, isn't, isn't that significant that the Cam Centre had actually pinpointed this make of car many, many, many years before Mr Edwards was charged? And then when he was arrested and, and eventually charged, um, what the investigators found, of course, was that he had that exact model of car um, at the time of the murders. And, and Justice Hall's point was, well, are you saying that that could be a Coincidence. Coincidence, yeah. Yeah, and and Mr Jovic had to exceed a little bit and say, well, yes, of course, that is a point that Your Honour has to take into account. But we we do say that, you know, with all the with all the other doubts that we we say we've raised, that could be a coincidence, yes. And he did say, well, of course, um, he said, yes, okay, it was that car and it was those fibres, but it's just not my man. Virtually, mm. Mm. yeah, right. And and was Justice Hall quite strong in his uh, questioning around this? Oh, very strong all day, um, asking for clarification. And um, they went off onto quite a few deep uh, legal, um, I guess, uh, addresses between them, exchanges between them, um, right to the very end um, right. of the trial. He wants total clarification on every point and making sure that he's um, considering all aspects that the defence has put up, um, right right to, the as we said, we thought it was going to end, and they were still on their feet um, after uh, Paul Jovic had finished, still trying to right. clarify certain aspects. He does. He's being very, very, very careful. Mr Jovic today, he also tried to really, um, I guess, diminish the importance of the fact that none of the critical fibres uh, were found in the victims' homes. What was he actually pointing to there? 
Well, this was testing that was done on on so the so-called living environments of both Kira and Jane, and the fact that and the evidence is that when testing was done on on Jane's hairbrush and then on various surfaces and fibres and, and, and environmental um, pieces from Kira's, both Kira's workplace and Kira's home, n- none of these fibres were, um, none of these critical fibres were found anywhere else. So they were only found on, 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 on both bodies. And again, that was, again, Mr. Jovic's point was, was twofold. One, he said that the environmental testing done around about Jane's um, murder and discovery of her body wasn't as thorough as it maybe could have been because, for instance, he, he said the, the hairbrush was really the only um, other environmental test that the, the police and investigators had done. And then when it came to Kira, that, that um, testing was a lot, um, a lot more um, thorough. Um, as, as, as we pointed out in previous podcasts, they went to her office, they, they, they tested her seat covers, um, various surfaces in her home, and they also then went to the Continental Hotel and even tested the, the upper-level carpet there. But he said they still didn't do um, everything. They still didn't look at every possible um, surface that she might have come into contact with, and so there still remained a certain amount of plausibility or possibility that those fibres could have come from somewhere else. Right. And then again, he honed in on the point of where they had been. Both yes. Kira and Jane mm. had been in busy nightclubs and busy pubs and various mm. vehicles in the hours leading up to their deaths. Um, and that... Brushing up with a lot of other people. Mm. Exactly. And, and, you know, there was, there was particularly when he talked about Jane being, um, you know, you know, not as sober as she could have been that night. She was bumping into people in the in the hotel, um, in the night, in the hours before she went missing. Um, and there is a he said there is a possibility that those fibers could have come from somewhere else other than Mr. Edwards and other other than Mr. Edwards's car. So I guess it's almost this idea with the fibre evidence that while it is extensive, it's not exhaustive and it's just whether the reach has actually been far enough. Did Justice Hall um, question Mr Jovic in any way about contamination theories? Yes, he did. And um, he said there's various... But again, he pointed out that we can't find the source of the contamination or the method of the contamination, just that there are all these possibilities of contamination by, as Tim was saying, outlying everything that these girls did, where they went, who they brushed up against, the possibility of various um, venues and vehicles. But he said there's more, they can't identify, obviously, the one method or source of a contamination. And we joked over the journey, Nat, about how many times Mr. Jovic asked a similar question of a yes. similar of, of a witness. Mm. Um, what, what were you wearing uh, on that night? What car did you drive? Um, and he was obviously and, and, and admitted as much today that he was testing the possibility of contamination. But it was actually Justice Hall who raised it with it him and said, "You didn't really go there in your clothes. Ah. You didn't really." didn't really um you know bring it up as a as a as a major topic in your closing submission and why was that and mr jovic quite openly said well look your honor my job was to t- test these witnesses to examine this 
and in his phraseology this afternoon, Mr. Govich said there was not a smoking gun of contamination, and so I mm. really point to one, which is why it didn't make up a major um, piece of, of my closing submission to you. And I guess this is really what people have been waiting for. They've been waiting for how um, exactly how this contamination could have happened. Well, with the fibres, yes, and yes. with the DNA. Yeah, well, both. Just the same topic in, in, in or the same theme in both topics because eventually Mr Jovic had to, also had to concede, well, look, we can't point to exactly when this contamination of the DNA might have happened, but we say it could have. And in the same vein, we, we can't point to a, a smoky gun in contamination of fibres, but we say it still could have happened if you look at all the possible scenarios. Yeah. Strong in his opening address and strong in his closing address. Yes. So w- what was Mr Jovic's final summation, if you like? Well, there were, there were, there were a few um, sort of main points as he summed it all up. I, for me, the main one, well, it was twofold. His contention was that all the evidence taken all together with regards to Sarah Spears, his contention is that not only could it not be proved that Mr Edwards was the killer, but it couldn't really be said to have been conclusively proved that the person that took Sarah and killed her was the same person that took and killed Kira and Jane. So, And he said it was uh, eminently plausible that on the evidence in his summation that someone else had had, um, killed Sarah. Then he went on to Kira and Jane and... uh, (laughs) Well, the way I've written it in the paper tomorrow is that Mr. Jovic and Ms. Barbara Gallows sat on the opposite sides of the bar table for all these months, um, you know, trying to go up against each other. But Mr. Jovic, in the final hour of the trial, actually spent a big part of that agreeing with Ms. Barbara Gallows <laughs> about the similarities between Jane and Kira's um, murders and and and. The, the way their bodies were dumped and the way their bodies were discovered and the injuries on them. And he had to concede eventually that it was very open to Justice Hall on those similarities that the same person did kill Jane and Kira. So that was, to me, quite a major concession for Mr. Mr. Jovic to make. Yes. But in the end, his, 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 his total summation was that you still can't be certain beyond a reasonable doubt that the, the same person, if it was the same person that killed Kieran and Jane, was Mr. Edwards. And he also said that it was uh, as, as much as everyone has in Perth and particularly within those those affected families have been yearning for closure for all those for all these years that closure will not come if the wrong man is convicted of those crimes. Um, and, and, and that was where he finished, basically, was saying you can't be sure it's the same person. You certainly can't be sure it's Mr. Edwards. Um, and uh, it, it, you shouldn't find it is Mr. Edwards um, on the evidence that is presented. Did Mr. Edwards have any reaction to this final closing? No. No, he's had no reaction right throughout the trial since last November. Yeah. yeah, I mean, his, his, the, I mean, the final act in, in court today, Nat, was the, 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 the final act that has ended every day of this trial is Mr Edwards getting up from his chair 
and being taken back into custody. As he did that today, as he walked off, he did give a smile to his to his mum and dad, who have been in, in at the present at the trial for almost all the days of the trial. Um, but it's, it'll be a very different day for Mr. Edwards tomorrow because Definitely. he will now rem, he will now remain in custody uh, and won't make that very familiar trip up the freeway to the courthouse now. Um, he will remain in custody um, in Casarina Prison um, until he gets notification that the um, Justice Hall has come to a decision. Um, so the next time um, anyone will see him uh, in person from uh, you know from from the public at least will be on that day when he is brought up and he will listen very intently, as we all will, to the decisions that Justice Hall has come to. And well, either a- way, he'll be remaining in custody for a lot longer than that because he'll be he's pleaded guilty to the rape charges. Yeah, and it'll be a very different day, um, you know, for everybody who's been involved in the trial come tomorrow. The victims' families who also have been coming to court, you know, almost every day of the trial. What was their reactions outside court when it wrapped up today? Um, pretty stoic, um, pretty non-committal as they have been uh, throughout the trial. But um, reading body language, there certainly was a little bit of relief, uh, I think, uh, amongst them all that that all the evidence and all the talking and all the um, all the theories are now out there. Um, and look, they didn't they didn't say anything of of any great note um, as they left court. Um, I will tell the listeners that actually um, some of the media colleagues that we've been spending so much time with from the ABC, then the national broadcaster um, have um, spoken or did speak to Lee Rimmer this week, um, Jane's sister, and she did give some um, insights into how the process has certainly affected her personally and her family. And she said she really did struggle at, at times during the court process, particularly around the new year. It was it was very um, taxing on all of them. Um, she mentioned particularly the the testimony around the screams that that people heard on the night that Jane went missing was was a particularly harrowing um, event uh, for her and, and listening to that from her family. Um, and Lee Rimmer, who has spent a few days in court um, after the new year, said that she wasn't um, even sure that she was going to be able to to be there on the the day of the verdict because she wasn't obviously sure what the verdict will be, but she also wasn't sure how um, she would be able to handle that emotionally. So, I mean, we've talked about it and, and, and certainly um, the, those insights from her um, given to um, you know, some of our media colleagues just sort of echo um, what yeah. we what we thought um, they might be going through. Yeah, and, and what a you know long and nerve wracking weight they've got now because Justice Hall did give a date that he expected to come back with the verdict. Well, he's given the date of September twenty four. Um, that's when he's um, uh, remanded Mr. Edwards too, um, and I, I think that's a fair indication of how long it might take. Um, as we we spoke to Tom Percy last week, he said it might take only a month. I, I wasn't sure of that. Yeah. I thought it might take a little bit longer. Um, and that, uh, although Justice Hall said today that wasn't a you know that wasn't a deadline or wasn't that wasn't to be taken as the date, um, I, I would be surprised if it was you know any much sooner than that. Anyway, it might be a week or so before that. But I think that's I think that's where um, everyone will be looking to now is, is towards the end of September um, to get to get that verdict. 
Um, Ali, was it as you expected it would be outside court with the cameras at the end of the trial? Yes. Um, nobody said very much of anything. The only thing I did notice that Bradley Everett's parents walked out the front door um, looking quite cheerful. Uh, it's the first time they've walked out the front door, seemed to be quite comfortable with being filmed uh, and walked hand in hand up the street. Normally they've gone out the side door and avoided everybody. But today they walked straight out and, um, as I said, looked quite quite comfortable. Mm. I wonder if there's mm. just a degree of relief there. Um, that's, uh, that's that over. It's over. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been an incredible journey. Thank you both for your time and the enormous hours you have spent in the courtroom. And thank you for your company. 95 days later, the trial is over, but we will be back tomorrow for a very short episode on exactly what happens next and how the process will evolve from there. Join myself, Tim and Alison then for day 96 of Claremont in Conversation. This podcast is hosted by Natalie Bongiolo, produced by Kate Ryan and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. And if local news delivered differently appeals to you, tune in to WA's newest morning show, The West Live with Jenna Clark. It's talkback radio, but without the interruptions. Listen live weekdays from 8.45am on thewest.com.au or catch up with the podcast.